going on everybody welcome into another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous monday august 14th 2023 as always i am your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart turley my man how you doing today it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood i mean it is a great action-packed show today it was unbelievable. You know, we record this on Sundays. I sat down and I was trying to figure out one of these stories to boom. I couldn't. So they all intertwined. Stu does a great job. Um, it'll be a great show lined up for us. Menu is great. First up, a global inflationary depression is very possible, starting out on an extremely positive note. So uh, Stu will talk to us about um, the depression that's incoming. Next up, scientists admit to a spreading alarm about climate change. Quote, it's a manufactured consensus. Dun, dun, dun. In a move uh, everyone saw coming, scientists are now admitting climate change is manufactured. This is going to play off an interview that Stuart did for our EMB podcast. So it's a little self-promotion all baked into one. Gotta love it. Next up, don't fall for the ploy. BlackRock is still working to undermine American energy. I mean, of course, we all knew that. So Stu will cover what Larry Fink and BlackRock are still up to. Um, Next up, 30-foot humpback whale found dead on Fire Island. At least 18th doomed humpback discovery on East Coast this year. Wind farms doing the job that I should be doing. So I appreciate that. Stu will cover what's going on on the East Coast. And then uh, next up, Biden's regulatory onslaught is, quote, legislation through regulation or is Stu's dubbing now LTR. And then finally, um, sticking with the Biden administration this week in Bidenomics. Never enough oil, which, hey, I'm all for that if that's the case. So Stu will, Stu will drop us into the everything going on with Bidenomics. Um, he'll then toss it over to me. We'll cover what happened really last week in the oil markets. You know, we finished uh, somewhere about 83.19 markets seem to open. We'll open this afternoon a little bit lower than that or Sunday afternoon, excuse me, opened up a little bit lower than that. So it'll be interesting. We'll kind of give a fork and idea of where oil prices might go this week. Uh, we saw a lot of earnings happening last week. Things will start to die out this week as we move into what I think will be a, 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 a small a. We'll give our predictions for what I think this third quarter will be as we sort of move out of earnings season, move into everything. So Stu and I will cover all of that in a bag of chips, guys. But first, check us out. World's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your oil and gas news. Um, Stu does a great job of curating that website to make sure it stays up to speed with all of your energy news. Our team does a great job of delivering that content quick, fast, and efficiently. You can follow us on Spotify. Check us out on YouTube, guys. We appreciate everybody um, who checks us out on YouTube. You can watch that at Energy Newsbeat on YouTube, or you can just find us if you go to energynewsbeat.com. You can uh, see the video version of this podcast, but we appreciate all of our Spotify listeners. Give us five star guys. If I was a, you know, if I was a a 16 year old crack pipe content creator, I would say smash that like button, but I'm not. So I will leave that alone. Again, dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your uh, data and energy news combo. We are hard at work at V2 guys. So we appreciate that. Um, Email us questions at energynewsbeat.com. Check a look, take a look at the description, both in the YouTube show and on, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, you can hit timestamps to all of, uh, the best segments. I'm out of breath though, Stu. Where do you want to begin? 
Hey, let's start with uh, one of my most gloomy. And we're going to finish on a high note with a training video for the government. Uh, so you got to love government. A global inflationary depression is very possible. But what does this do to the energy and oil markets? Uh, you know, dude, you and I have been talking about this for a long time. In fact, three years ago, we could pull the tape. And I was always saying depression, depression, depression as a cheerleader. And you're over there going, nah. Well, you were right. I'm right. But we're having fun. Roughly two and a half years ago, it was predicted on the advancing time on this article uh, that we might soon be witness to the first global inflationary depression. Many of us predicted inflation rolling, but underestimated the size of stimulus would put in the pipeline. Boy, they bloated this up like a dead whale on the beach, you know, with all the stimulus they put around the world. Though to those finding this notion unacceptable, we would reframe this as stagflation era of reversion. What this all is meaning is that the global supply chain, Michael, the global printing of money for renewables and the global uh, loss in GDP is going to really have a tough time in 2024. What this Especially is going to with elevated energy prices. I mean, that's the whole thing in this that nobody accounts for is the fact that if energy gets more expensive, it only exacerbates this inflationary period because now it makes just the basic necessities more expensive on top of the printing of money. There you go. And and in um, when you're talking about Europe, Europe is losing mm. business because it's coming out because they don't even have natural gas. They're now doing coal. Germany is firing up coal plants. They just killed their nuclear. California is the same thing. Businesses are leaving. Now they're leaving for two reasons. ESG, bad government and regulations. You're going to see a theme going along here in just a sec, but just, just as a side note. So let's mm -hmm. roll to the next one here. And if anybody has any questions on, I want their opinions on the global outcome because it's hard to predict oil prices Saudi Arabia and uh, OPEC, OPEC Plus are going to be cutting back production. I don't know what the amount of demand is going to do because it's always supply and demand in different formats. Russia has. So I, before we move on, I want to say he talks about the idea that we're in stagflation and you have to flesh that out a bit, because if you use the official government numbers, we're not in stagflation. What is stagflation? High unemployment. High inflation. You use the Bureau of Labor Statistic numbers. We are not in high unemployment. Unemployment is rising, but we're still at 4.6, 4.7% unemployment, which is historically low. Think about when Barack Obama took over in 2008. We had a 10% unemployment rate. Yes, I know you're going to tell me the numbers are skewed. You could tell me, but I have to point out that if we use the official, if we use the official numbers, we're not in stagflation yet. I, I, I'm going to throw out old definitions because the, oh, don't throw up for our podcast listeners, uh, reverse peristalsis or the act of throwing up and violently throwing up on his microphone just happened. This is a, a credible moment. So when you sit back, Michael, and take a look, how in the world at this amount of debt that the United States now has, people are not buying it. Gold is becoming the energy standard. Nothing is as it was or as it seems. So I'm going to now I'm going to throw up and use reverse peristalsis and throw up. And that is you can't use the old standards. 
The other standard is anybody that has a job has two jobs. Anybody that is wanting to get out of the workforce gave up. There's a whole bunch of baby boomers that weren't ready to retire and they're out. They're going to go starve and eat the dead whales on the beach because they can't afford to eat. So nothing is the same. And thank you for letting me. I I agree. I a thousand percent agree with you that we have a big issue with underemployment and double employment. Absolutely agree with you where. That's an issue, in my opinion, with wages, though, not necessarily the the availability of jobs. But that's a story for another time. Let's yeah. move on to uh, promoting our own podcast because there's nothing and more that we like doing to do. Honestly, Michael, thank you for letting me rant and uh, prove that uh, I'm always right and you're wrong. I am kidding. You're 99% more right than I am. I hope you're wrong on this globinary, this global depression. But globinary. Globinary. You're an animal. A new word. Okay, go into the next one. Scientist admits to spreading alarm about climate change. It's a manufactured consensus. I did not say this. And then real quick, I really enjoyed my podcast with Judith Curry. She was uh, truly a leader in the environmental advocacy groups, and she was the doomsday around it was manufactured. Why Judith, this matters about Judith Curry, is her business is a weather modeling business, and she's got it down to a science. So I've got the list in there. There's a couple quotes in here. It's a manufactured consensus, says climate scientists in my new video. She says scientists have an incentive to exaggerate risk to per same, uh, pursue fame and fortune. And the fortune is in about how they get funded by the governments. So the governments are the ones that are actually uh, doing it now. Well, she, we have to let's lay the groundwork here. Who is okay. Dr. Judith Kerr. I think it's important. She's a doctor here. We've This is a brilliant woman. BS degree in geography, 1974, Northern Illinois University, a PhD in geophysical sciences in 1982 from University of Chicago. No slouch there. Okay. She's nope. the former chair of the School Earth and Atmospheric Sciences at Georgia Institute of Technology. Love them, Georgia Tech. Uh, her yep. research is, I'm just, we're just reading the Wikipedia here. She was a member of the National Research Council's Climate Research Committee, has published over 100 scientific papers and co-edited several major works. She retired from academia in 2017. Why? Because she went public with her climate change skepticism. Interesting. It seems like you can't teach publicly if you don't think climate change is funny how that works. Hey, let me throw this squirrel at you, Michael. And that is the fact that she went from academia to the business and her companies, she has two, and those companies are- God bless America. uh, Oh, yeah. And you got to love those uh, companies because they can read and save people's lives because they have climate forecasting, storm forecasting down to- a science. And that is not a pun because she is fantastic. So anyway, that's going to lead into this next one. Uh, a couple others here in a second. Let's go to the Check next that one. out. Energy News Beat Podcast. If you're listening to this on Spotify, just scroll down. You'll find it. If you're on YouTube, just go look at one of our other uh, uh, playlists. You'll find uh, Stu's uh, long form podcast. Love a good little self promotion, but we love Dr. Judas Curry. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Give her a big shout out. We're going to tag her in this. Uh, hey, BlackRock is one of my least favorite companies out there. And uh, I, th- I put them right up there with the UN. So you know how that goes. 
Don't fall for the ploy. BlackRock is still working to undermine American energy. Um, This is one of the big white striped, huge apes in the planet of finances. I mean, it is huge. Wall Street giant BlackRock just added the CEO of Saudi Arabia's national oil company, Saudi Aramco, to its board of directors. The New York Times headline announcing the move read BlackRock forges new ties with big oil giving the impression that BlackRock was reversing courses on environmental, social, and governance, coming to the senses it's on fossil fuels. The exact opposite is the case. Now, here's where it gets a little bit messy in, in what BlackRock is doing. BlackRock is not only a energy hypocrisy investor, they're an ESG hypocrisy investor and the biggest one in the world. They had holdings in pipelines, oil and gas pipelines in the Middle East. They have had oil and gas, and they were the only ones that did not lose money. Of their $1.7 trillion lost in the first half of the year, Michael, was all in green and renewable energy. So they've made a quiet twist into fossil fuels over the last several years, but they're over there going, we're green. They've been the ultimate in greenwashing. So when we take a look at this as we come in, so Saudi Arabia's uh, head of the, uh, you know, I like the way Saudi Arabia takes care of Saudi Arabia first. Saudi Arabia is using their profits from oil and gas to go to renewable and fund renewable. How soon? 30 years down the road. Technology is not there. BlackRock is now following Saudi Arabia's, but they're publicly using an IR guy of the week and really falsely advertising their funds. But I mean, this makes total sense, though. Saudi Arabia is not aligned with U.S. oiling. They'd love nothing more than to enact, have the U.S. enact regulations that shut down the oil bits. I mean, what did we see in WikiLeaks? Who's the biggest funder of Greenpeace? Russia. Why? Energy. I mean, it doesn't take. I I really like that you brought this article, Stu, because I think, you know, the New York Times thinks one step ahead. Think two moves ahead, three moves ahead. We talk about second order thinking. It's clearly the New York Times doesn't do that because if they actually spent five seconds thinking about this, they'd be like, well, wait a sec. Isn't Saudi, wouldn't Saudi Arabia really enjoy the shutdown of the U.S. oil industry to only make the the entire world more reliant on them? Maybe if they don't have as much of reserves as we think they have, shutting down the American oil industry will only continue to prop up their declining reserve base. Hmm. I don't know. I'm just throwing those things out there, but it's helpful to think ahead instead of just pronouncing a headline, Saudi Arabia or BlackRock forges new ties with big oil. Give me a break. Oh, yeah. Here's why. I mean, Saudi Arabia already tried to wipe out the great U.S. oil companies. They've done, yes, they've done it. They did it they, in 2014. They're going to do it again. Boom. If they can, uh, they will. And I guarantee you with this current administration and energy uh, policies in place, the only thing I've got going for the current government on energy policies is their regulations we'll cover here in a second are not energy racist. If you want to say that they hate uh, all energy. (laughs) (laughs) We got to go this. Let's talk about this whales. Okay. Hey, this is a hoot. 30-foot humpback whale found dead on Fire Island, at least the 18th doom humpback discovered in the East Coast this year. 
Hey, I found a training video at the end of this, Michael. And uh, let's talk about the article for a little bit. And then I'll talk us through the new training video on how to clean up whales. So let's go ahead and talk about this for a little bit. I had a wonderful interview with Craig Rucker this week, and I embedded the Fox uh, interview that he just had with him. And that's how I got to meet him. He also uh, knows Patrick Moore and uh, Patrick Moore was the co-founder of Greenpeace that I've interviewed and I've got more interviews coming up with him. So, you know, we've also got a uh, we're working out details to interview him at Comp 28. So this is huge from a story. The whole thing about this is the animals, the whales, there's hundreds and hundreds of them that we know about this year are dying. Porpoises, whales, the fisheries, it's killing the fishing industry. And it's because of the vibrations, Michael, of the wind turbines. Why is the green methodology and the green push silent on one of the biggest important ecological mammals in the world regarding the world's health? It's 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 pretty crazy. A 30-foot humpback whale was found dead last Friday morning. Um, what was that? The the 10th. Yep. I know the 11th there. Um, the 18th humpback to be discovered on the East Coast so far was found on the eastern side of Smith Point County Park in Shirley, Long Island, according to the National Oceanic Atmosphere Administration. I mean, doing the job I should be doing. Yes. Killing the whales. As a millennial, uh, this is one of the few things, and you can see there's a New York Post in there showing the one. But Michael, I went to a research desk and I went and found a short clip from 50 years ago. And I discovered that Granholm has already sent this out as a uh, training video since the, she doesn't care about the whales. This is right, a, so let's, uh, yeah, so let's we go watch it. Are we going to watch this? Yeah, let's right, watch let's it. Let's cue it up. Let's start it now. Here we go. Okay. okay yeah. You see the yeah. 10, 9, 8, 7. <laughs> For those watching at home, it's a countdown. There's a dead whale. On the beach, are they gonna blow this thing up? <laughs> no, there's no way. <laughs> Look at the chunks, and you can hear the screams in the background. And, and the announcer is so calm, he says, Great. And we were watching it, and we had to go away because of the pounds of flesh. The smell, <laughs> right, we can cut this. We can cut okay. This. Can you imagine the smell that's going on? Oh, and just a little bit after that, Michael, I'm going to go ahead and stop watching here. But a little bit later on this, he's he goes up to a Cadillac and he says, and it's a good thing people did not get hit like this Cadillac. The Cadillac is destroyed. <laughs> and the guy, the guy on the beach in the interview goes, well, we don't know how much we're going to have to blow up again. And they ended up just having. To I, was, I was born in the wrong era. I was born in the wrong era. Oh, the amount of C4 they used on this whale is incredible. I mean, anyway. Okay. That's what we need to do, folks. Oh, yeah. Go whales. All right. What's next? Legislation through regulation. I'm now calling this LTR. Legislation through regulation because I went to Oklahoma State and it's the only way I can remember it. Biden's summer regulatory onslaught is legislation through regulation. And I got to hand it to him. He's not energy racist. He's cutting out 
wind, solar, nuclear, it doesn't matter. He's just going back to fire, baby. Yeah, he wants us going back to fire. So when we talk about Congress is out and the media is asleep, new rules make the American economy go to hay in a handbasket. <laughs> Transportation Department, Michael, on Friday, they did a 696-page rule uh, raising corporate average fuel economy standards that would effectively require one hundred percent of new cars to be electric by 2032 this is even more aggressive than the california's ev mandate which would ban the sale of new gas-powered vehicles until 2035 this is despicable and when you sit back and take a look passenger cars would have to achieve 66.4 miles per gallon in 2032 up from 44.1 I was visiting with uh, uh, Craig on this the other day, and he said the difference is they're going to be able to only do a mix of of fossil fuel engines, gasoline engines, so the hybrids are not going to be able to do it. They're buckling down into hell. I mean, they're consumer hell for one reason, Michael. They're getting re- they don't want uh, American consumers to have cars. Unbelievable. Yeah. Passenger cars would have to achieve 66.4 miles per gallon in 2032. Right. Wow. And the the balancing Trucks at 54? Woo. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Um, the way that they're uh, putting this rule in, Michael, is complex, but it allows the manufacturers to keep making uh, gasoline engines only if they're overall mix puts out like a pound whatever the number is, of carbon, which means it's basically going to be down to three. So those three gasoline-powered engines are going to be $16,000 a minute to run. I mean, it's just, those are all exaggerations, but it's going to be true. They're also making a 236-page revision to the National Environmental Policy Act, which if, if you're in the mining business, you know that is NEPA. That would require federal agencies to consider climate change and environmental justice in project reviews. They say that, quote, leases for oil and gas extraction or natural gas pipelines have local effects, but also have reasonable, foreseeable, global, indirect and cumulative effects related to GHG emissions. That footnote does say that these NEPA revisions, accordance with the laws decree that the federal government, quote, must assure for all American safety, health, uh, productive and aesthetically and cultural pleasing surroundings. I mean, this is in the words of you, Stu, it's a bunch of bullhock. Oh, yeah, it's it's even worse than bull hockey. We're going to go for whale hockey. OK, let's go to the next one, because I'm about to whale just. Hockey. Yeah, I'm going to get it. Right, Bidenomic, kill me. Yeah, kill me. Just shoot me. You know what's funny about this? This week in Biden economics, Bidenomics, never enough oil. Michael, I'm just going to say this right now. The Wall Street Journal threw Bidenomics out as an insult. And Biden is so. Not there, and he depends, that's a pun, on things um, that he's got a supply of depends that Dr. Jill follows him around with. Okay, I'm done. Um, But when you sit back, Bidenomics, he's proud of it. And it's an insult. It's kind of like. Well, I I think the hard part is, here's the part. Bidenomics is this idea that everything is going great in the economy. The problem is it's not. Gasoline. Five bucks in his his thing. The, the part that I find hilarious is that people in the oil and gas business should love Biden. Oil's never been higher 
since when he's been in office. Every time oh. a Democrat takes office, oil goes to a hundred bucks. And it's not because of, oh, oh yeah. it's, it's not random. It's that's it's it's the way it's markets understand that under Democratic presidencies, we're going to have there's going to be a contraction and tented contraction of supply while demand continues to increase because we have an insatiable demand for energy. So it is funny. Bidenomics actually helps the oil and gas business, the very industry he's trying to hurt. Oh. Absolutely. The gas uh, for the consumers was cheaper and oil was cheaper, but it's all about you're you're seeing a theme. Here's the thing, Stu. Do you want $100 oil and Biden is president or $25 oil and Trump is president? Ask people in the oil and business that question. They'll get tongue tied. Okay. Yes. And I'm, I'm a humanitarian. I want humans to be better off. So I vote for $25 oil and you want me out of a job. I see how it is. Oh, I, hey, you and I are energy, baby. <laughs> I know. I'm just giving you It is interesting, though. You walk around and ask people in oil and gas, you want $25 oil or $100 oil? Is it $100 oil? What if I told but, you $100 oil was only possible with the Democratic president? <laughs> what? Yeah, excuse me? Uh, uh, RT. I got to give a shout out to RT over at Pecos Operating and the Crew Truth. That's exactly what he said. And that was my, I, that was my first time with him as I did a Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, you no. Know, and to get back to the, to be get back to the point, if you're all tapped into the news, they've, they've been walking around and trying to pump up this Bidenomics. Who knows what that is? The point is we will have an insatiable demand for energy and an oil demand. The IEA came out last week and said oil demand is going to go to 103 million barrels. You know, it's part of the reason why prices were up last week. It's incredible that people can't quite see us. And it's incredible they're still trying to pronounce that the economy is sweet. You're yeah. fired up today. So I'm like sweating over here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got, you know, I always try to weave our stories to a common theme. And today was easy. Bidenomics. <laughs> Kill me. Oh, we're, we're done, though, at least. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, shoot me. All right. Well, we'll switch it over and we'll cover specifically oil prices here. Um, we actually saw markets last week have a down week specifically. We just start with the S&P. We traded down about two, three and a half percent week over week. NASDAQ stayed fairly flat. Oil prices, we saw it rise. You know, really, we, we, we are at $80 when we began the week. We're sitting now at 83.19 where the indice settled. We did see all the way above at $84. We almost saw 85. Again, last week, we saw 103 million um, barrel oil demand per day estimate from the EIA coming up here in July or in August, September. Saudis continue to say we will continue to cut, cut, cut. And it's just a sign that we're now getting back to fundamentals. Oil prices continue to shift up. We did have natural gas prices fall a little bit, $2.78, mainly off the back of it. We've, while weather is still hot, I think some of those, the weather's been dialed back a little bit. You know, the 106 hopefully is now 100, which is still horrible. I mean, it's literally hell here in Texas, too. I'm dying, but um, we'll uh, we'll get it through. Um, well, some of the other numbers, interesting to note, it was our seventh week over week gain on oil. So if if you say it's if you say there's bullish, it's great. Um, OPEC did come out and say expect global oil demand uh, to rise by another 2.24 million barrels. So that gets us a little above that 103 number that the IEA came out. So I have more faith in OPEC than I do the the IEA, but the, you know that's just me. You know we do we, we do believe that some of this economic data, you know. The Federal Reserve is is they have a meeting upcoming here in a few weeks. The real question is, what will they do? I don't think they're going to raise rates. I think they're going to stand still. I think that's what the street is expecting as well. But you know, it is what it is. 
Um, where do you see oil this week, Stu? Oil and gas. We got eight with eighty-three dollars. Are you? Wh- what side are you on this week? Up or down? Uh, I'm up because uh, oil. Uh, Russia is uh, cutting out an estimated three hundred thousand. Uh, you have the Saudis are now rattling their saber, trying to get. Uh, under Biden's skin again, and uh, they're looking at more cuts. And you're going to see this now that everybody's going, is it a depression, recession? They're going to be worried about how much it is. I still think in the short run, we're going to be up. What should people be worried about next week besides depression? Biden. Got anything else? That's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. Um, well, we appreciate you guys. It's a Monday. We hope the meetings aren't too horrible, uh, but we hope we can ease the pain a little bit um, here at NRG Newsbait. Appreciate you guys making through us. We're going to have a great week, guys. For Stuart Turner, I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow, folks.